Well, good morning, everyone. You can find your seat if you're not already in it. I'm glad to be a part of a church that likes to go around and greet one another and shake hands. And uh, that's the kind of church that we want to be and want to be a part of. Well, um, one thing I think is so important that we just start off with is this, is that the reason why we exist as a church is this. We want to help men, women, and children take their next step toward Jesus. We want to be a church that is, is focused and uh, focused on Jesus and who he is and, and how that matters to us in each one of our lives. And so um, as we've been uh, in a series, we started a series last week called um, Thou Shall Not Be a Jerk. And uh, we're doing this series really because we're, if you don't know this, there's a presidential election in the next, uh, I guess, 50 or so days. And uh, now things took even more of a turn this week. Um, as some of you probably saw the news, Justice Ginsburg passed away, and she's had a, a huge impact on our culture and a huge uh, impact in our society. And so uh, I know lots of people are mourning her life, and, and uh, we should be thankful for, for people's lives and people who are created in the image of God. And so... Um, I want us to, as we think about that, as we think about um, the election and, and even more things being stirred up now because of this, we want to be people who represent Jesus well. We want to be people who represent the church well. Because when we call ourselves Christians, we represent the name of Jesus Christ. And that's important. And we have to be thoughtful about what that means for other people. I was thinking this week as we get ready to get going on today's message, I have a simple question to start the day, and it's this question, what do you want to be known for? When someone stands up at your funeral, when someone thinks about you, when a picture of you comes into the mind of another person, or when someone sees that you've posted something on social media, what is the first thought or phrase that you want people to be thinking about when they think about you? What do you want to be known for? As a church, we should consider this. As Christians, we should consider this. I was uh, reading, uh, reading uh, a recent survey that was done, and the survey was about people's perceptions of Christianity and Christians. So let me just say this. These are perceptions of Christians. It doesn't necessarily mean it's true about Christians. It just means this is what people think about when they think about Christians. And here's what was said about Christians. And, and so it was, what, what are the top words that come to your mind or phrases that come to your mind when you think about Christians or the church. And here's the first three words that came to people's minds, unfortunately. It's these words, anti-gay, judgmental, and hypocritical. Once again, these are perceptions. This is what people believe about the church. It doesn't mean this is how we're trying to represent ourselves. Certainly it's not how we're trying to represent ourselves. But this is the perception that people have about the church. If you're like me, that's not the reputation, and those are not the words that you would want people to, to use to describe the church or any of us in this room. But unfortunately, we've been given, whether it's a bad rap, whether some of it's true, um, I think we have to at least consider what other people think about when they think about the church. Because there's this phrase you've probably heard before, what you think about God is the most important thing about a person. How you perceive God, how you understand God. 
There's a scripture I want to look at this morning that's found in the book of John. If you have a Bible, you can pull your Bible out, pull your phone out, whatever you have scripture on this morning. But when we think about uh, how we want to be known, how I want to be known, think about that as a person. How do you want to be known as a person? When people think about you, what words do you want them to use to describe your life? John chapter 13, Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet, which was a, a, a really big thing for them. It was, a big, it, was, it was a way to show Jesus. Jesus showed what true leadership is. It's serving other people. He didn't leverage his thing and say, hey, I'm walking in the room, kick his sandals off and say, somebody, there's 12 of you here, somebody wash my feet. He didn't do that. He humbly washed the feet of his disciples. And, and he, he's with his disciples after this, and he says something to them, to them that's really, really powerful. Because we, want, we need to be thinking about what people think about when they think about us. Now, listen, we love, la- like, we love labeling people. We think about what other people, we, we label other people. That's just kind of the society that we live in. Let me just say this. People will label you incorrectly, and that's on them. That's not on you. Um, and these labels on the church... Are there people in the church who are representative of those things? I'm sure there are. I, I recently just saw there's a really popular female author who, um, who just announced on Facebook that her and her husband were getting a divorce. And you should have seen all of the comments of other Christians condemning her and telling, you know, saying all of these bad things about her because she's getting a divorce. And um, obviously we know where God stands on divorce, but... Sometimes as Christians, we tend to pile on when people are going through the most difficult moments of their lives when we should be reaching out with grace because um, if you're like me, you've received a lot of it in your life. But Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says this. He says, a new command. Nothing I've ever told you before. This is a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. Keep in mind, he just washed their feet. So you must love one another. Now, if that's us in the room, you're probably thinking to yourself the same way. Does that mean I have to start washing people's feet? Um, I, I probably wouldn't want to do that myself. But um, he says he says we ought to do it. So we must love one another the way that he loved us. Verse 35. By this love, really, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. But the word used here for new, it implies a freshness. It's the opposite of, a, of something that's worn out, okay? So remember, he's already said, and last week we talked about, what are the two greatest commands? Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is something new. This is him on his way to his impending death, and he says a new command. This is something new. It's not recent. It's not different. It's new, Okay? We might have thought that Jesus was going to give a command for us to to love Jesus in an outstanding way. Instead, Jesus directed the disciples and us to love one another, emphasizing that there should be a special presence of love among the followers of Christ. In other words, we're going to have a hard time loving the world if we can't love each other. We have to love each other. This is a, a command of Jesus. It's not a, an option. It's a command, a new command I give to you. 
The command to love wasn't new, but the extent of love that he just displayed by washing their feet and he would display on the cross, that love was, was defined in a new way for the disciples by the example that he had for them. Charles Spurgeon, he's a, a well-known pastor and theologian, and he, he says this. He says, we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, but we are to love our fellow Christians as Christ loved us. And that is far more than we love ourselves. One of the words that we've, we've said here, and we, we demonstrate this in many ways, he, he washed their feet. He sacrificed his life for them. Sacrifice, we define sacrifice, I think this is from Craig Rochelle, but he says this, sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love more. Giving up your preference for the benefit of the whole. Everyone in this room has preferences, right? We all have our own preferences, and sometimes we have to, to lay those aside for the benefit of our brothers and sisters, for the benefit of the whole group. So I want to ask you just a simple question, and it's this. When was the last time that you sacrificed something meaningful for another believer? When was the last time that you sacrificed of your own validity and your own just your own heart, you, you sacrifice something meaningful for another person. It, it took some of your time, it took some of your energy, it took some of your resources, maybe your finances, maybe it was just listening. I mean, a listening can sometimes be a challenge. Maybe it was just listening to another person, okay? But he's telling us, Jesus is, is telling them, there's this new command that I give you. See, when God is working in you and when he's working in me, things change. They just have to change in us. Because God is a God of transformation. He changes our hearts to be more like his son Jesus. Uh, there's a scripture that if you don't have this underlined in your Bible or highlighted on your phone, I want to encourage you, highlight or underline Galatians 5, chapter 22, or chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Most of you have this memorized. But this is what happens when, when, when the Spirit is working in your life and in my life. This is what happens. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there, there is no law. When the Spirit is working and active in your life, these things are evident in your life. And so if we were to... Um, if we were to give your kids, if we were to give your spouse a survey and ask them these things, would they witness in your favor or witness against you when it came to displaying these things in your life? My hope, my prayer is that we're getting better at these things. We're not going to master everything that we, we know spiritually, but, but we should be growing in these things. You have to remember, we have to remember this, in voicing your convictions and your values when it comes to political things, when you do that, we not only represent ourselves as followers of Christ and every other Christian out there, but more importantly, we represent Christ. And when we represent Christ, we value the life of other people. Um, I was a little disheartened um, to re, you know, I some, you know, 
I like to follow social media. I like to follow politics myself. And I know some of you could care less about them, but I was a little disheartened to read as Justice Ginsburg passed away. There were some really nasty things written about her. And you can completely disagree with every decision that she's ever made. But we should always remember that she was made in the image of God, just like every person in this room. And to celebrate someone's death because we disagree with where they stand politically, I believe it's just wrong to do. That's just my own personal belief because the only thing that we should want for every single person all over this world is that they know Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe that, if, if, if you are celebrating because she might not have believed like us, our hope should have been like the urgency Melissa talked about earlier, that every single person that we know would know who Jesus is. And we want to reflect that in our lives. See, we're people who, uh, I'll just be honest, a lot of times churches are really known for um, being outspoken about supporting the unborn. And I believe that we should. That should be a priority of the church. But uh, we should have a womb-to-the-tomb mentality that we believe that all life matters, whether it's three months inside the mother's womb or whether it's three months from death at the age of 85 years old. Every single person is loved by God and should be cared for by the church. So what do we want to be known for as Christians, as people Hopefully it's for love and peace and joy and patience and all of those things. I had an interesting experience the other day. I went to the dentist, and uh, I know I told you a story of the dentist, but I had to go back because I had a cavity. And so I went to the dentist, and something interesting happened. Um, my dentist wanted to have a conversation. And uh, I don't mind conversations. You all know me. I love to have conversations with people. The problem was I had something in my mouth that did not allow me to talk. So they put this contraption on the left side of my mouth because he was working on the right side of my mouth. So here's this like vacuum type thing, probably sucking, you know, I don't know, particles of my tooth. I don't know. Anyway, so here's this thing in my mouth and they're working on this side with different instruments and he's not only talking to me, but then he's asking me questions. So I'm sitting here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I can't shake my head because if I do, I might get a drill on a tooth that I don't want to be drilled. Okay, so he's sitting here and talking, and it was, it was tough. He knew I was a pastor, and so he was talking about our board and how, how we kind of form things. And, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, I cannot answer you. I wish I could, but I can't. I don't want to get hurt here any more than I don't want to be here anyway. Um, so <laughs> it was really interesting, but um, I have this problem. I, I have a lot of internal dialogue inside of my head. I don't know if you ever do this, but I'm sitting there, and I'm like, this is kind of irritating. I wasn't mad at him, but, but what I was doing, because I wanted to have a conversation, and I couldn't. And, and, and I know I think a little bit odd sometimes, but I really, I really felt strongly God was speaking to me in that moment that I need to be a better listener. And I'm like, there's got to be other ways to teach me this <laughs> than this situation right now. That's mostly what I thought about the rest of the day because I love talking. I love trying to help people. I love trying to solve problems um, to, to help people in their lives. And, and sometimes it's better for us just to listen to people. People just need to be heard. There's a scripture in James chapter 1, and here's what it says. It's a very familiar passage you probably know of. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, he's saying my dear. He's speaking to them 
with affection. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Write this down. Everyone, not just some people, but every, everyone, should be quick to listen. Everyone say quick. Quick. Slow to speak. Everyone say slow. Slow to become angry. Say slow again. Because human anger, the, 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 the human nature, the sinful nature, that anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger. It's not righteous anger. It's human anger. We all get angry about things. I mentioned this a little bit last week. We, we all have some things that we get angry about. And uh, I said, you know, if you see a social media post and your heart starts to beat a little bit faster, it's probably a good idea to scroll as far away as that as possible. Log off of Facebook or Instagram, whatever you need to do. But if your heart starts to race, if you feel yourself getting really, really angry because of what someone posts, it's good just to take a couple seconds, take a step back. Because oftentimes when we're angry about something, we don't respond in a way that leads to righteousness. Okay, human anger, in other words, human anger results in us being led towards sin. And righteous anger, it, re it results in redemptive, a redemptive process. We know Jesus got angry. We know he flipped some tables. We know that he got irritated with the uh, religious people from time to time. But... Anything that Jesus did was redemptive in nature to draw people back to the most important priorities. We live in a culture right now that feeds off of anger. We live in an outraged society. You don't have to look very far to see people who are outraged. You can wake up in the morning and I'm like, how is it 7.15 in the morning and someone's that upset? Like, how is that even possible to be that upset so early in the day? But we live in this outraged society, and Ed Stetzer, he's a pastor, he's an author, and he said something, he said some things that are so true. He says, our world seems awash in anger, division, and hostility. We need to decide how to respond. In other words, we have a choice. This is indeed our moment to learn how to live like Christ amid the shouting, anger, and hatred. And there's plenty of it out there. So once again, what do we want to be known for? Is the Spirit working in our lives? In the book of Galatians, he's speaking to the, the church, and um, he's speaking to them, and he's just been talking about the law and the, and the promise of salvation. And, and one of the things that he says, he's speaking about sons and daughters of God. Who can be a son and who can be a daughter of God? And here's what he says. He says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is neither... Are there's, um, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what your background is, you can be a son or a daughter of Christ. I'm, I'm in jest adding to this verse, okay? I'm not adding to scripture, I'm just gonna make a statement. An opinion here this is my translation of that verse there is neither Jew nor Gentile neither slave nor free nor is there male and female Republican or Democrat or independent for you are all one 
in Christ Jesus. Do you know that when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't say, oh, he's a conservative, or oh, she's a liberal, or, or he, he doesn't look at us in those ways. He looks at us as sons and daughters redeemed by the grace of God. The way he should properly be looking at us. But for us, and for many of us, we have to work to remain in friendship and fellowship, especially with those that we disagree with. And it's okay if you disagree with people. You should. We're different people. We have different values. We have different worldviews. We, we see things very differently. We're going to have disagreements. But I think if anybody should disagree with people in the right way, it should be Christians. Ephesians chapter 4 Verses 3 through 6, talking about the unity of the church. Here's what he says. Make a little effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now he says, make every effort, everything. In other words, at all costs, whatever you can do, keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith one baptism, one God and Father of it all, who is over all and through all and in all. So let me just say this. Politics has its place. It's a part of the world that we live in. It's always going to be a part of this world. Politics has a place, but Christ is the most significant aspect of this community, of the faith community. It has to be. The common unity, that's what, that's what community is. We're in a faith community. We're a church. That's, that's what we essentially are. And, and we have a common unity. And the common unity of Sioux City First is not that we're all Republican or that we're all Democrat. The common unity that we have in this room is that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. And that we love him. And that should cause us to love our brothers and sisters. And even though it's difficult, sometimes we are supposed to do it. While our views may be different, we have to remember we are not enemies. You may disagree with someone strongly. You may disagree with their political stance, how they parent, how they spend their money. You can disagree with those things. But you have to remember we're not enemies. I'm not your enemy and you're not my enemy. Brothers and sisters of Jesus should not be enemies and we're not enemies what happens is we allow the enemy to use us to divide each other and we've got to be very careful we have to understand every single moment that you're alive there's a spiritual battle that's happening a spiritual battle happening up here there's a spiritual battle happening uh, um, above us there's there's a, a spiritual battle happening every single moment that we're alive and here's what i believe i believe god calls us the church to be unifiers he calls us to be bridge builders, not barrier makers. Um, it's way too simplistic for us to reduce other people to their political views. Oh, well, they believe this, and so that's this is the kind of person they are. We cannot do that. We should not do that. We should acknowledge that we have, we should acknowledge and, and contend for our values and the convictions we have things that are important to you, the values that you want to support. But we never really make a whole lot of progress until we try to understand one another. Um, my guess is you know somebody, and the thoughts crossed your mind, why would they do that? That doesn't make any sense to me. 
that defies logic. What they think or what they believe or how they're acting defies any sort of logic. How to us it really does. Um, I was thinking as we're, we're talking about politics, we have to under, we, we have to we have to think about a lot of things. For instance, in, if you were in a place like Seattle, there's going to be a very, I think about 10% or so would consider themselves conservative. So I want you to think for a couple seconds. There's a good portion of people who live there, just as you could throw in a conservative city in this way, who have been born and raised and understand a specific political understanding. And so if you've been raised for 20 years of your life to believe a certain way, you're most likely going to go that direction, conservative or, or Democrat, independent, wherever you may land. You're, you're, going to, you're going to be influenced by how you were raised and what you know and the culture of where you are. So here's a few, a couple things that we need to think about when we think about these conversations. The first one is this. We need, to, we need to say this to people. Help me understand what you believe. Help me to understand what you're trying to say. Why do you believe that? How do you believe that? How did that come about? The other, other question is this, is what brought you to those conclusions? If you believe this about this candidate, if you believe this about this person, if you believe this about that party, help me to understand how you got there. What conclusions, uh, what brought you to the conclusions that you have come to? Rather than just, oh, well, that's what they believe, and so they're, you know, it's like, oh, just like, you know, when we narrowly think of other denominations, say, oh, well, they're a Catholic, so they believe this, or, oh, they're a Lutheran, so they believe this, or they're Pentecostal, and they believe this. Jesus ate with tax collectors, or despised by their community. He went out of his way to meet a woman, a Samaritan woman. He washed the disciples' feet, one that would betray him and one that would deny him. Jesus knows what it's like to disagree with somebody, okay? I hope that we all understand that Jesus knows what it's like to disagree with somebody. You're going to have disagreements. How you handle those disagreements is your responsibility. And I believe like anything else in life, we're going to be held accountable for how we respond to this moment, to these moments, these things. There's a few closing thoughts I want to have before we, we, we pray and we reflect this morning. The first question I've already asked is this. What do you want to be known for? When you think of your life, when you think of your kids, when you think of your grandkids, when you think of the people that you work with, what are the first thoughts or words that you want to come to people's minds? And you can say, I don't care what people think about me. I don't want you to lose sleep about what people think about you and the perceptions they may have of you. But I hope that you would want people to think that you're a decent person or that you're a person who, who loves God or that you want to live reflective of what we see in Scripture. Second question is this. This just seems like an impossible challenge, but it's this. Are you loving like Jesus loved us? He washed the disciples' feet. He gave his very life for you and for me. It's a new command I give to you to love people in the way that I loved you. It's especially true for us within the context of our, our church body. Third question is this, pretty simple question. Are you a good listener? Um, 
we tend to be people who want to respond quickly, and sometimes we, we respond with anger. And the Bible is clear throughout Scripture that we need to do a better job of keeping our mouths shut a little longer than we do. So are you a good listener? Are you someone who hears something and instantly has to respond? Or can you take something in, process it, pray through it, and then respond? Or just listen and be there for people? Are you someone who is going to seek to understand how people got to where they got? What brought them to the conclusions they have in life? Are you a bridge builder or a barrier maker? There's a lot of times when we think about politics, you're either on one side of the bridge or you're on one side of this chasm that, that lies between us. And you can be someone who says, okay, I don't care about you because I disagree with you. I'm going to put a wall up and I don't care what happens in your life. Or you can be someone who says, you know, hey, let's, let's somehow meet here and let's have a conversation and let's, let's try to build bridges. What are some things that we can agree upon? There are a lot of things that people disagree on when it comes to politics. That's just the nature of it. But I think there are some things that we can all agree on as people when it comes to how we should live our life and um, how we should treat people. And um, I think what, I, what I'm afraid of is a lot of times the loudest voices get the most coverage. And so the news coverage and all of these social media it's the loudest voices who get the most attention, and, and I wonder if we're as far apart as, as the way we should treat each other as, as we really think we are. I want you to stand with me in just a moment. The worship team's going to come forward, but I want to just encourage you with a, a couple things. Um, First and foremost, above everything that would ever happen here at church, our goal and our hope is to help you know Jesus. So we want to do that in every aspect of what, what we do, whether it's worship and messages and discipleship and Sunday school and all those things that we do. We want you to know Jesus. And, and this morning, as you find yourself here, we want, we want, before you leave, before you do anything else with your life, we want you to know who Jesus is. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward this morning. As they're coming and as you're kind of reflecting on what we've heard today of how do you want to be known? Are you loving like Jesus loved us? Are you a good listener? Are you a bridge builder or a barrier maker? I think these are important questions for us to ask, but the most important question today is do you know Jesus? And if you don't, you can know him today. I'm going to pray and give you the opportunity to, to do that. And it's quite a simple process. Jesus went up to these men in Scripture and he said, come follow me. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what they were going to do. Jesus just said, come follow me. And, and Jesus showed them this way to live and he taught them how to live the right life. And it's a life of forgiveness. It's a life of grace. It's a life of compassion. And this morning, if you're here and you find yourself, I'm, I'm not serving God the way that I ought to. Whether you're far away from God, whether you've disconnected from God this morning, I believe God wants you to connect with him this morning. So I want you to bow your heads this morning as we, we pray. If you find yourself in that spot, this is your opportunity to make it right and just say, God, I need you to forgive me. I haven't been living and doing the things that I know I ought to be doing. Maybe I'm, I, I sometimes become so engrossed in 
politics and some of these other things that I I really don't honor you the way that I should. So this morning, if you want to put your faith in God, your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you, you ask him to forgive you, you accept that he went to the cross for you and that, that he's at the right hand of his Father today and you can commit your life to him. I'm going to pray for you today. And if that's the decision you want to make, I just want you in your own heart, where you are in your seat, just to say that this morning. Let's pray that together. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you'd be with each person in this room. You know where every individual is in this room. You know their heart more than they know their own heart. Lord, if there's any area in their life where they're not connected to you, Lord, they may be, they may be so far away from you today and they, they walked in today knowing that they're, they're far away. They walked in knowing that they're not following you the way that they ought to. Lord, there may be some in this room that just need to recommit. They've heard and they know, but they haven't been following. So God, we're just here to say, God, would you forgive us? Would you forgive us if we've treated people the way we shouldn't have? Would you forgive us for sometimes putting politics over, over the gospel? Putting politics, letting politics rule our minds more than the gospel is ruling our minds? Help us to focus on the correct things and on the right things. God, I just pray that you'd be with each person. God, forgive us for our wrongdoings. Forgive us for our sin. Forgive us as Christians for the things that we do that we shouldn't do. Cleanse us, purify our hearts this morning, God. Lord, I pray that you would make us new. We thank you that you died on the cross for our sins. You took the place that we deserved on that cross so that we didn't have to. And now we can experience eternal life because of what you did. You call us your sons and daughters. So Lord, for every person who feels far away, for every person who's disconnected, Lord, we wanna be connected. Forgive us of our sin make us new. We want to commit our side, commit our lives to you, whether in a fresh way or whether in recommitting our lives to you, God. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you care about us, that you have a plan for us. Help us to follow that plan and that purpose for our lives. And God, help us to make a positive difference in people's lives, to know you and to seek you in their lives. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing this song.